0: Have you wondered how the COVID vaccine got out so quickly? Is it safe? How long does the vaccine last? Does it cause infertility? Stay tuned as we answer these questions and more on The One in Five. No, we don't just wanna live here. We all wanna thrive. We are Hey, all Welcome to The One in Five, the show for those who want to know how to be healthy, how to stay healthy, and how to promote health in your community. I'm your host, Adam Renshaw, and in today's show, we have Dr. David Mark with us again, and we're going to be answering some frequently asked questions about the COVID vaccine. Just a little heads up, we are going to be talking about the two vaccines that are currently in use that have received the emergency use authorization, and that's the Moderna vaccine and the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. Dr. Mark, thanks for joining me here in the studio. Let's start with how did
1: it get out so quickly? Yeah, it's remarkable. The, The speed of this vaccine development is a huge accomplishment. I mean, it's it's unprecedented in the world of of science, and really, um, a real testament to sort of the hard work that all these all these folks did. So it, it's it's a great thing. the The short answer is, instead of having lots of processes happen one after the other, mm. um, because the federal government injected lots of money, they were able to do lots of steps simultaneously. So the research and development could be happening at the same time as they were doing clinical trials and manufacturing and plans for distributing the vaccine. That all happens simultaneously instead of one after another. And the companies uh, were able to do that because they were given this reassurance by federal funding that, um, that if it turns out that the vaccine didn't perform well in clinical trials, um, And they manufactured a whole bunch of it Mm. they would receive uh compensation
0: for that so in other words they were manufacturing this while they were doing
1: clinical trials they were which is you would never do that except in a situation where you had this assurance from the federal government that you would receive compensation for all that vaccine you made Uh, the other big piece that i think is important to highlight is that usually when you're when you're developing a vaccine you have to recruit tens of thousands of volunteers to to participate in these clinical trials with these two companies there was a network that already existed of, of volunteers who had signed up for uh, clinical trials and and that was a development that really had a huge impact on the speed really sped things up instead of having months and months and months of recruiting people they just notified all the people that we're going to start this clinical trial on this date how did they have them waiting in the wings uh, there was there was agreement in the in the vaccine development community to set up this these pre existing networks of of clinical um, trial volunteers. So they'd all been screened for health problems. They'd all been sort of found to be acceptable volunteers, and all that pre work that that usually takes a huge amount of time had already been done. Okay, so it got out quickly. Is it safe? It's it's really impressive. These vaccines, uh, the the clinical trial data shows that both of the vaccines are are incredibly safe they have uh, you know every vaccine has potential for some side effects but the incidence sure. of side effects with these vaccines is as low or lower than those with the flu shot or with the pneumonia vaccine so really safe vaccines so no safety corners were cut absolutely not and okay. that was that was reinforced again and again and again the the FDA was in no way going to lower the bar when it came to you got to prove that it's that it works that it's effective and that it's safe
0: okay and just as a little aside it is not FDA approved correct we have just received an emergency youth use authorization exactly
1: those those vaccines will still go through the full-blown approval process which which will take some time okay um so how effective is it well again really encouraging data from these from the clinical trials where and again these are on tens of thousands of volunteers and they found that that both vaccines were over 90 percent effective um Sort of on the order of 95 percent effective, and Mid-90s, that's 90s. Yeah, what that means is that the you know in in 95 percent of the of the of the volunteers who actually received vaccine, they were protected from getting COVID. So it's remarkable. And, and usually, with for example, the flu shot every year, um, a good year is when that's you know 60 65 percent effective. Sure. Um, so to have something that's 90 percent or 95 percent effective is really astounding and really encouraging news. So I think that's a good segue into talking uh, into talking about the type of um,
0: vaccine that it is. Uh, the the flu vaccine that comes out year by year is done uh, is prepared through a live vaccine, right?
1: There's different approaches, but yeah, they often use is um, they can use what's called an attenuated live vaccine, or they take components of. More commonly, what they do is they take components of the prevalent species of, of the virus that's circulating in a part of the globe. And they predict this is the one we're going to make a vaccine for. Okay. And so they, they target, they use certain components of that of that strain and put it into the vaccine. This COVID, these two COVID vaccines are an entirely new form of technology. Which mRNA, is, right? Yeah, it's super ingenious. Okay. mRNA, messenger RNA. And um, so they, they take these bits of genetic material called messenger RNA, uh, put it in a fat-soluble little particle that gets injected into your arm. That gets taken up by the body's cells. And what mRNA is, is that's the instruction that goes to certain parts of your cell to build proteins. So it's only allowed into this part of the cell called the ribosomes that, that are these protein factories. And they manufacture uh, a protein that is um, the, what's called the spike protein from the coronavirus. That appears on the, it's, it's the crown, right? That's the outside spiky proteins okay. that facilitate attachment to the human uh, cells. And so um, the body, uh, those proteins are made in a cell and then they're expressed on the surface of that cell. The body says, hey, wait a minute, this does not belong here. This is an invader. And that stimulates this immune response. Mm. And so it's, you know, that what's happening is you're training your, your body's immune system to recognize this foreign invader and launch all sorts of, uh, of an attack against it using antibodies and natural killer cells and T cells and all this this huge, um, complicated, and, and sophisticated immune response um, to, to get rid of that protein, which when it would happen, on top of on, on an actual coronavirus would, would result in killing that viral particle by your body's immune system. So it's super ingenious. Those mRNA particles last for a couple of days and they're all gone. They're, your body destroys them. Oh, So they, uh, they don't linger in the body. You know, they're, they're very, have a very specific, uh, role that they play. They're not allowed anywhere else in the cell, in the body. Wow. And, um, so they don't alter your your genetic material. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Yep. Was so does it alter DNA? It does not. Okay. That, and that's really important. DNA is you know it sounds kind of like RNA, and so some people think, wow, maybe it, maybe it's going to affect my genes. It uh, MR, messenger RNA cannot go into the part of the cell where DNA is kept. Okay. So it it's impossible for it to affect uh, the genetic material of your of your cells. It's it's simply an instruction manual to that little part of the cell that builds proteins.
0: Okay, because you just described that,
1: can you answer
0: the question, does it cause infertility?
1: There is no evidence that it causes infertility. And I think that's really important for everyone to know. That, um, And that's, that's uh, based on, again, these tens of thousands of of folks that were involved in these clinical trials there's no evidence of any effect on fertility why
0: would people think that it would cause infertility
1: i think that one of the one of the concerns that was on the on the internet was that um that the spike protein was somehow related to uh, uh something in the placenta um but the that's just not true and and there's no evidence that either the virus itself or this um which again the virus itself has that spike protein so there's no evidence. If of, you got the virus, then it would cause infertility. Yeah. There's as no well. evidence of that either. Okay, okay,
0: that's probably good news for people who have run across maybe some of that information. Yeah. Um. And thanks for clarifying that. Um. How long does the vaccine
1: last, man? I've heard two months. Well, unfortunately, there's no we have no evidence about okay. how long how long immunity will last. Okay, um, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so. Um, so it's possible that, that it will confer long lasting immunity. You think when you get your tetanus shot, you need it once every 10 years. Okay. Maybe it's going to be something like that, but with a flu shot, we get it every year. So we just don't know enough at this point to know how long we'll, we'll remain immune to the coronavirus. So there's the potential
0: that this could be sort of an ongoing, uh, vaccination process. Yeah, it
1: could be. One of the potentials is that the immunity fades away through time. Okay. Uh, or it could be that the virus is gonna change every season, just like the flu shot or the influenza virus rather. So one of the two scenarios may mean that, yeah, we're gonna need to have frequent boosters of the COVID vaccine. Are we already seeing variations? Yes, we are. You've probably heard about it in the news. There's a couple of variants in South Africa and in Europe that um, that are more infection, you know, more transmissible um, than the, the sort of original variant. Um, we don't know if it's going to be more, uh, more what's well, called virulent or more serious of an infection. There's, uh, there, we're learning more about that every day. Um, but so far, there's no evidence that the vaccine needs to be modified to, to meet these new variants. In other words, the current
0: vaccine can still vaccinate against the, the, the variants. Correct. Okay.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, and and there's a lot of of effort to monitor that to decide if and when there needs to be a change to the vaccine recipe. Okay.
0: But it could be pretty quick.
1: One of the, one of the real, the, the, you know, the beneficial aspects of this kind of technology is that um, the, the it can be changed pretty rapidly, much more so than some of the older styles of making vaccines. Okay. Um, what about people with autoimmune diseases? Is this,
0: should they get the vaccine? Is this going to affect them differently? Do we even have the knowledge?
1: Uh, the short answer is it, it, if you have an autoimmune disease, you're at a higher risk for potentially serious outcomes with, with COVID. And so uh, so yes, it, getting the vaccine is really important because it, it, it will allow you to have a layer of protection that you wouldn't otherwise. and And there's no sense that, that the vaccine is going to cause problems for folks with, with immunocompromised, uh, conditions.
0: Okay. I have one more question. I'm really looking forward to not wearing a mask anymore. Do I still have to wear a mask after I get the vaccine, Dr. Mark? We are
1: all looking forward to that day. And, (laughs) uh, and the, the answer is eventually we won't have to wear masks, but in the short term. So, um, and until uh, a couple things happen, yes, you need to keep wearing your masks. Okay. And so your individual in, you know, like your immunity to COVID doesn't kick in for a couple of weeks after your second shot. Second, okay. So, y- you know, between the, the first time you get your first shot and then when you actually have immunity, that's at least six weeks, maybe, maybe even eight weeks. But what we don't know, too, is that, um, we know that the vaccine protects against developing COVID-19. What we don't know is that if it if it will prevent transmission. So in other words, if you even if you've got the vaccine, you may be able to sort of have enough of the virus in your system that you could transmit it to somebody else. So uh, so the short answer is we we just we advise everyone to keep wearing your masks uh, for the time being um, because you're going to prevent others from. From getting COVID, it really helps with that. So perfect,
0: thank you. Is there anything else about the vaccine that you want to share with our listeners before we
1: wrap it up today? I, you know, increasingly it will become available. It um it's being distributed in sort of stepwise fashion to phase one A and phase one B and phase two. You know, so when your um when your group comes up get the vaccine. We recommend it. And talk to your healthcare provider if you have questions about whether you should get it or not. Great. Thank you. That's all
0: for this episode of The One in Five. If you liked it, please hit that subscribe button. We got some great health topics coming your way. I'm Adam Radshaw. Thank you, Dr. Mark, for joining me in the studio again. See ya.